Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeff Broger, and I am here today with Jesse Lennon. Thanks for being with us, Jesse. Jeff, I appreciate you very much inviting me. Absolutely. So why don't you tell our listeners who you are and where you're from? Well, my name is Jesse Lennon. I am here in the Richmond, Virginia area, very close to Washington. But I guess if you know where Virginia is, anyway, you can find out on a map, you can pretty much find Richmond. We're almost dead in the middle of the state. So Awesome. And what got you into the real estate industry? <laughs> That's always a kind of a funny story. I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed. My father is a pharmacist by training, but I always grew up hearing him say, if you really want to be successful, you have to be self-employed. If you really want to be self uh, successful, you have to work for yourself. But he never defined success. I guess in my father's mind, it just meant you can set your own hours and do what you want. In pharmacy, it's long hours. So I remember... I guess I was probably seven or eight is when he was studying to take his broker exam. He got his real estate license when I was around five or six. And he started reading some books on investing in real estate. And so when I was 18, he and I bought a foreclosed property. We fixed it up and sold it. And I kind of got bit by the real estate bug. I went through the undergraduate program as well as the master's program in real estate from Virginia Commonwealth University and got my real estate license after I graduated. And that's when we started Pioneer Realty. That was in 1989. So I've been in real estate pretty much my entire adult life. Uh, wow. And I still enjoy investing. I do that today as well. Got it. And throughout your career, there was a lot of consistency, especially towards the end. I read on your website, you know, Rich Agent Coaching, that you sold over 100 homes a year for, you know, multiple years. I think it was six years in a row, right? You know, right. right towards the end. So what was the single most important action that you were taking on a daily basis that attributed most to that success? <laughs> that's actually a great question. So far, I've not had anybody actually ask that question, which that's the logical one to ask. Jeff, it really is. So thank you for that. The truth of it is, it's the discipline of doing, following a set schedule and just doing it every single day. And most people, unfortunately, in real estate don't. You don't have anybody like an employer looking over your shoulder and telling you from this time to this time, you're supposed to do this activity. From this time to that time, you're supposed to do this activity. It's up to you. So I had a mentor, a coach, however you want to think of it, some years ago, said that if you really want to be successful, you need to set and, and create for yourself an airtight schedule. Because if, if you put everything into that schedule, then you can get everything you want to get done, done. And so I guess not knowing any different, I figured that's exactly what I'm going to do. So there was a little confusion at the beginning, a lot of frustration. But you know, it's like anything else along that journey, you figure it out trial and error, what works, what doesn't work, zigzags, rabbit holes that don't lead anywhere. But that's really the key I found was just consistency, following a set schedule from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed and don't deviate on weekends. Still get up same time, still go to bed same time. It's just, I think the way God wired us all is to be consistent creatures, not mm. to get up whenever we feel like waking up and go to bed whenever we feel like going to bed. We need to have that consistency. So that for me, that was 
really the big key. And for most of the top producers that I had the opportunity to hang around with, it was the same for them. I mean, they didn't wake up whenever they felt like it. Most every one of them went off before the alarm. For me, for about 30 years, I was getting up at 4.30 every morning. And uh, I figure I'm sleeping late now that I've semi-retired. I set my alarm for five, but I still get up at 4.30 every morning. So, but by 10 o'clock, I'm looking at the back of my eyelids. I can assure you of that. So, oh, absolutely. So right now I'm waking up at 5.30 and, uh, you know, I, it's okay. I've, I've been inching it a little, a little sooner. So I, I'm, I'm up at 5.30, I'm at the gym at six. And that always Great. kicks off my day with a really strong foundation. And I love your focus on consistency. You said, you know, over that career that that you have had, and now you're doing coaching and investing, consistency was what set those success habits for the rest of the day, having that plan, really good insight. And, you know, I think that everyone that listens, that makes sense, you'll agree, but you got to do it. Mm -hmm. Like there's a difference from understanding it and then actually doing it. So really good insight there. So why don't you tell us about Rich Agent Coaching and what you're doing now? I appreciate that. Let me add one extra thing to what you just said, Jeffrey. It's not just creating it and then the consistency, it's actually following it (laughs) because it's easy to create it, right? Mm -hmm. But then doing it and following it is something completely different. So, and I think the other thing too is you have to be willing to go back and look and go, that's not working so well. Tweak it, change it, adjust it. Change Mm. is really something that so many people avoid like the plague, but the reality of it is, that's the one constant in everyone's life is change. So That's embrace right. it, right? So I'm sorry, you asked about rich agent coaching. Yep. For me, for the first, I guess, 10 or 11 years that I had my license, I was pretty consistent around 20 to 24 sales a year. But I was getting very, very frustrated with that. You know, it's like I wanted to do more, but I couldn't figure out how. And the hours were really, really long. I mean, I've even done stupid things like showed a home on Thanksgiving Day. So I knew something had to change. And for me, it was, I had to come to the realization that I just don't know what I just don't know. I mean, it's just, mm. it's that darn simple. And it's so often that we, we want to believe. And I think a lot of times it's because in real estate, we get our license and we're excited to get the license and we're telling other people about what we're doing. They start coming to us and treating us as the expert, Right when maybe we aren't the expert, but on the outside to the world, that's how we present ourselves, if that makes any sense. So I got to the point where I was just kind of frustrated and I finally was enough is enough. I got to figure this deal out. There was a Jim Rohn quote that was rattling around in my head. I don't know. Are you familiar with Jim Rohn by chance? Of course. Okay, great. It's amazing the number of people that I run into that, that are, but there's still a few that haven't heard of Jim. But he had that one quote that just rattled around in my head for the longest time. And that was the, you know, rich or uh, poor people have big TVs, but rich people, wealthy people have big libraries. Hmm. And that was like, you know, you're absolutely right. I really hadn't picked up a book and read a book since college. So I started to do my best to educate. And I reached out to a lot of different uh, sources and resources. And I still have And right now I'm a member of, let's see, it's two different mastermind groups as well as a coaching group. So I'm always trying to improve continually improve what I do. Plus, I have an awful lot of other people that I share with what it is I'm trying to accomplish, and they share with me what they're trying to accomplish. So we kind of help hold each other accountable, and they're in all different industries. So I started to on this journey, and I went from about 20 to 24 transactions a year to, I think it was 36 
48, 60, 92, I want to say, and then it was 100. I did have a team. It was one other buyer agent. Um, he got his license to come to work with me. He had no real estate experience. And that was great. The funny part about it was I really wanted to get more business, meaning I was thinking, okay, great. I hit 100 this year. I'm going to do 115 the next year. And the next year came and dang it, I was right there at 100. You know, around 100, 102, something like that, 100. Crap, I'm going to do 150. I'm going to do 125. <laughs> next year, right there at about 100 again. What the heck? But it dawned on me. That goal was something I was setting that was like cocktail party chatter, you know, conversation. Right. Like, you know, you and I meet somewhere and they're like, oh, so what do you do? I sell real estate. What do you do? Oh, yeah, really? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sell 115 homes this year. Oh, that's just great. Well, it sounded great to everybody else, but it really wasn't what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was I wanted to do 100 homes a year, selling 100 homes, but in less time because I mm. wanted to take the additional time to use to continue to buy more investment property. So my wife was in an auto accident in 06, and I realized that, you know, I had enough rental income already that to equal the income from selling 100 homes. I mean, it was pretty stinking close, very close. So I made the decision to dismantle the team. I got it down to just me and one assistant. And I still did 100 homes a year in that last year. The cool part was, though, I was working about three and a half days a week selling 100 homes a year. And the year before that, I went to one of my coaches and I said, I got an idea. He loved playing games. I said, I got an idea. He said, what's that? I said, I want to play a game. He says, all right, tell me about it. It's called the game. He's like, okay, what are the rules? So, well, the rules are simple. I don't want to have to see the people, the seller. I don't want to have to see the house. I want to list it at a full price, at a price that I set in advance and take the, the, uh, the listing at a full commission, handle the entire transaction, and through that system that we've just gone through, create raving fans so that they're out there every day looking for people they can refer to me. So I don't have to feel like I'm begging them for a referral. Right. He said, how are you going to do it? I said, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And uh, the cool part was that last year, 40% of my listings taken were from playing the game. So the efficiency was what I was actually after. And I just didn't consciously, I guess it didn't click in my head. That's what I was actually after until about the third year in. So rich agent coaching is literally all those, whoops, sorry, wrong side, three ring binders you see, see over my shoulder. That's all of my systems the procedures, everything that I've been through, all of the courses that I've taken, it's my how I do it here, for lack of a better term. So for real estate agents that want to learn how to put sim simple systems in place in their business so their business runs more efficiently, more effectively, more smoothly, really for more profit, they want to learn how to become more persuasive and they want to be able to have a great life after real estate sales. Most real estate agents, you, this is the title of my book that will be coming out the end of, around the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter of this year. It's called Don't Die With a Contract in Your Hand. Because most real estate agents never think of ever retiring. Right. You know, they're just always going to keep selling. So did that answer your question? I, I hope about rich agent coaching. Yeah, it was a great story about your process from being an agent yourself, learning that Look, life happens, and sorry to hear about your wife, by the way. Is she okay? The auto she accident? Is. Yeah, she is. A year and a half ago, we finally got the last nail out of her leg. Wow. So, 
She still can't bend down. That was on that. like 15 years later. Yep, it was 13 yeah. years. Matter wow. of fact, we had been to, um, not this is the shameless plug, by the way. It was, um, we went to the Jazz Fest in New Orleans, which mm. if you've never been, it, it's just an amazing place. Great loud music. But anyway. Love New Orleans, yeah. I pushed her all over that that place um, for uh, four days in a wheelchair. And with about, I think it was the second day we came back is when she went into the hospital to have the, the nail taken out. Finally found a doctor after, I think she talked to six or seven doctors. But yeah, I appreciate you asking. She's, she's a lot better now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the reason why I highlight that is because I talk to a lot of top performing real estate professionals. And through the process of getting to know them, learning their story, inevitably, many times they got to the point where they were working 100 hours a week, just working themselves to the bone. They're making more money than they ever have, but they can't enjoy it. They have zero time. They're miserable. And then something very sobering happens. And what I mean is parent passes away or is in failing health spouse has an accident or cancer or you know certain things occur which all of a sudden bring them back to the moment mm -hmm. what the heck am i doing right yeah, yeah. and so you know my understanding of rich agent coaching is that you're able to then help people skip over that process if they're mm -hmm. aware enough and willing to take a step back learn better systems to work within better a better business model right <laughs> You actually got it. Jeff, you hit, you hit the nail on the head with that, and you really touched on something important. They have to be willing to step back, which is great. I mean, you know, when you, we were talking at the very beginning, most real estate agents, they get that license, and they immediately start thinking them, of themselves as that real estate expert. And I mean, I did too. In the beginning, for the first probably eight, nine years, my ego was so big, it couldn't have fit in my office building. I mean, it's just, you know, my head's so big, how do you get through the door, right? And it happens because people are very appreciative of the service that you've provided, of the things that you've done. You're promoting yourself to a point. And so you start to buy into that press. It becomes really challenging to be able to set that aside and go, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And just be honest. I mean, look, I've got a, a rezoning that I'm starting and I've got a small subdivision that I'm starting. I've never done either one of those. So when I'm talking to the engineers, the attorneys, the, the surveyors, the architects, the commercial lenders, I'm telling them all, look, what have I not asked you that I should have asked you? I don't know what I don't know because I need to know. I need to learn that. And I have one member in my inner circle membership, Monica, out in, um, in Ventura, California. And that was exactly what she said. She's been in real estate, her license, just about as long as I have. And she said, you know, when I was listening to you talk, it clicked. I need to go back to the basics. I need to rebuild that foundation under my business so I can grow on top of it. And I, I think what you said is spot on accurate. You have to be willing to learn. And most people aren't. You know, they figure, hey, high school's over. College is over. I don't have to crack a book again. Cups full. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> Cups full. We can't put anything else in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you're teaching agents to live a better quality of life while you know producing either the same or more than they ever have. So you mentioned closing 100 homes that last year by yourself with an assistant. 40% uh -huh. of those were pretty much never saw them the property and listed it and you know 6% at the top, right? Everything that an agent would want to do. Yeah. And so 
when an agent comes into rich agent coaching, how are you teaching them to generate deals? Because everyone wants the next deal. They want lead gen. They want, how can I go figure it out? Prospect, like, you know, how can I get more deals coming in? Right. Yeah. And so can you give us just insight? I'm sure there's a million tactics, um, but you know, what's it, what's a good one that you'd give to our listeners? Well, see, that's a secret. I can't tell you because if I did, no, I'm just kidding around with you. It really depends on where you're at in the market. But for me, one of the things that I do try and teach people the very first month, because my, the inner circle is a membership program. This is not a here by, by my box of stuff. Right. Because if you do that, it creates overwhelm. Then everything kind of shuts down. Even if, even if you buy the box and then you go somewhere for three or four days and kind of unpack the box, because you've had so much thrown at you at one time, you still get a little, uh, what am I supposed to do here again, right? So it's a membership program, space, you know, repetitious learning, rep, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I've heard many different things. It's just like we all learned when we went through school. You've got one month's worth of stuff, if you will, review this and implement. The next month builds on the month before. So the first thing that we talk about is just the traditional things, because again, we're building the foundation. But the thing that I like to talk about with people, which is a few months in, is the off market, especially in today's real estate market, where we're here, we are talking, uh, what is it, uh, spring of 2021. You know, right now, our inventory nationwide is so stinking low. It's almost like homes are not being looked at as having days on market. It's almost more like hours on market in many cases, it seems like, right? So, if you're out there trying to find the same leads that everybody else is, it gets a little more challenging. So I do have a report that has about 21 different ways, I believe it is, to find off-market real estate. Now, I call it deals. But the idea is you can find these people that need to sell a property and either list it for them or buy it yourself or possibly bring it to some of your investor clients. Don't leave it on the table, but now you're sort of fishing in, uh, what, what's that uh, book, um, Blue Ocean, right? Yep. You're fishing in the blue ocean. You're out, so it's not with a lot of chum floating around. So that's a big part of what I teach. Now, that's a little later. Like I say, at the foundational level, we, we just go over all the typical things that, you know, the, the social media things, the expired for sale by owner postcards, door knockers, or excuse me, door hangers. Uh, and, you know, the truth of the matter is even with this COVID craziness, door knocking is really a pretty good thing for a lot of people because, hey, there's an awful lot of people working from home today. And uh, people want to talk to other people. They're, they've been, lonely. oh my gosh. Yeah, they really do. Right. And, you know, in Virginia, we still have to wear that facial diaper. That's what I call it anyway. So Love it. feel free to steal that too. And, you know, but anyway, so. Did that answer so, your question? So you yeah, you, so you have this this list of 21 ways to find off-market properties. Now, is that like a, a free download that you offer to introduce people to your system? Or is that something that listeners will be able to access? Or is that more of like a paid membership oh, piece? No, it actually should be on the site. Now, we did just cool. recently go through some tweaks. So it should be there under the, if they go to richagentcoaching.com, it should be under resources. There's a drop down. And it should be there. Uh, they should be able to find that. If not, I'll have to go double check because it should be there. <laughs> yeah. No, and they I will. can link to it in the show description as well. But that's Perfect. that's amazing. You know, I, I love the blue ocean concept. 
I always try to innovate different marketing approaches that find off-market properties so that, you know, my clients aren't only fishing in the red ocean. The red yeah. ocean is a red ocean because it, it works, right? You want to practice sure. those fundamentals and right. have those systems in place, which is what you mentioned is the foundation. But then there are some ninja tactics that right. you can kind of go around, do things that other people are either unwilling or unaware of. You just said it, unwilling. They may very well be aware of it, but they're definitely unwilling to do it. I'm not going to do that, right? I ain't doing that. <laughs> oh, heck no. I would never. Really? You did? Yeah. Huh. Yep. So yep. absolutely right. Yeah. Awesome. Now, so, the one thing, though, about leads, and this is ahead. the other thing, just not to jump ahead of you. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. I don't know whether you're going down that road or not. But, you know, a lot of people, especially today, you had mentioned earlier, I believe it was about leads. It's all about leads. It's about leads. To a point, yes, it is about leads because you need the leads. But what's your conversion rate? I mean, how many leads do you need to, to have to equal a listing appointment? And then how many listing appointments do you have to go on to get a, a listing, right? And a lot of people, they haven't really connected the dots fully in their head. I mean, somewhere in the gray matter floating around, they kind of get it. But one of the great questions that I always, because I can't spend a lead, but I can spend a commission. So one of the questions I ask somebody is, okay, if you go on 10 listing appointments, how many listings do you get out of those 10? I think that's a valid question. Now, most people totally. never really give it any conscious thought because they don't, they don't really like track that. So they're not running their business as a business. They're not looking at some of the matrix. And I think I've heard you talk about uh, once or twice like return on investment, which is critical for anything, any marketing or ad spend, what's that return coming back to you, right? So, you know, if I'm going to take my time to go on 10 listing appointments, that's going to be a, an investment of time. Well, if I'm only coming back with three or four, I'm wasting a lot of damn time. So I wanted to get very efficient and you're going to hear efficiency a lot with me, but I got to the point where my, my close ratio was over 93%. So if I'm going out on a, on 10 listing appointments, I'm coming back with over nine, well, nine, kind of hard to come back with nine in a portion of a 10th, right? So that's the persuasion part of the rich agent coaching, because you have to get very good with your language and communication skills. Don't just go in and wing it. Don't go in and wing it. That's right. the worst thing you can do. That is the but, worst. I'm sorry, yeah. Jeff, you were going to say something else. And I didn't mean to go off on a tangent on you, but. That's right. It was a great point. And this is, definitely something that every agent should be measuring as all they these should. KP, all these KPIs, these key yep. productivity indicators along the way. And, yep. you know, if you want to sell more homes or you want to sell a higher transaction volume, say they're at 20 million, they want to go to 40 or 40 to 80. Well, either sell more properties or increase the amount of each sale, your average order, right? Right. right. And to, to do that, then your listing appointment conversion ratio is very important. So I love that. It is. My question was, where do you think the industry is heading? Five, 10 years, what are your projections? In what regards? Well, there's iBuyers entering the space. Uh, there's a lot of technology that is is coming in. Zillow became a brokerage, which was not to my surprise, but a lot of agents are, right. like, to a lot of agents' chagrin. Um, I mean, they're, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, the consumers are doing so much research themselves on the buy side that, uh, you know, a lot of them then are, I think there's there's less power on the real estate agents in in their ability to just 
underperform or not know their stuff or um, provide low value and still get the commission. Like they really have to present themselves in the right light, present themselves as a local expert, add a ton of value. And so in regards to the next five, 10 years, I mean, some agents are fearful that they're not going to have a job. You know, we're, the real estate agents are going to go the way of the travel agent, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll be the thing right. of the past. So sure. my purpose with that question is, from the top 1% and the coaches that are out there, the thought leaders, you know, I want to help to capture mind share of the future of real estate and paint a different picture. Maybe it is that picture, if that's your opinion, but I'm curious what your five, 10 year projections are. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. Uh, and it's a very good question, actually. I think in the next five to 10 years, we're not going to see a wholesale shift where real estate agents become irrelevant or unnecessary or needed. For the ones that are willing to treat this business as a business, and you did hit the nail on the head with providing a better level of service, they will be the ones that will be in demand. The ones that are doing this part-time on the side, they don't have any plans to treat it as a business. It's just like fun money for them. Those are the ones that will pretty much, well, let me back up. Those are the ones that will still be there, but they'll be nipping just those little teeny bits and pieces from the ones that are in that middle. The ones that are treating the business as a business, those are the ones that are going to survive. Not necessarily the, the really high top producing 100, 200 you know, homes sold a year, but the ones that are treating the business as a business, they're providing that level of service and the consumer, that buyer, that seller sees the value in having that professional helping them, assisting them on their side of that transaction, whether it's the buyer or the seller. The low producers, they may be full-time. They could be the, the top producers. I mean, excuse me, the, the, the uh, part-timers, but they're still selling a respectable number of homes, you know, 15, 20 homes a year part-time, which is hard to do, by the way. But it's a situation where those are the ones that are going to be pretty much squeezed out, in my opinion. What I would love to see happen is that it would be a little more of a, I'm not going to say a difficult process, but maybe that's the best way to think of it, to get your real estate license. For the majority of, of the US, be. it's still one class, one test, and you've got your license to sell real estate. You know, And that's sad. It really yes. is. Because if you think of it, you have appraisers that have to go through a lot of coursework, and then they're having to go through and do fee, well, they, they do the appraisal work, as an apprentice, in essence, somebody else is reviewing it and signing off, and they're coming in after the fact. I mean, you know, the real estate agent's the one that's gone in and helped the seller set the value, the buyer and the seller agree to X, and this is what we're going to be paying for that home. And they come along after the fact just to validate it. But they had to go through a mountain of school and don't get paid anywhere near what the commission is at the moment. So I think what we're going to see is that middle is going to pretty much disappear from real estate. And you're going to have to have people that treat the business as a business, you know, and then they're going to have to up their game when it comes to what they're providing. We're probably going to see commissions get squeezed a bit as well. Most things run in cycles. So people get concerned about Zillow and they should be because they have a lot of data analytics that we didn't have some years ago that they can implement. But how many people are going to be looking to sell their home at that big of a discount? It's kind of like the ugly home buyers, right? To Zillow. You also have EXP, which has come about. 
uh, relatively recently, which is taking multi-level marketing and applying it to real estate sales. Well, this is not new. I'm an EXP agent. Well, there you go. I mean, it's not new. This is like the third or fourth version that I've seen since I've been in the industry. And I mean, I started, I feel like I've been in the real estate industry since 81. I had a mortgage brokerage company back then. But the truth of the matter is I was 16. I really didn't have a clue what I was doing, but it was a real company. And I think I closed one, maybe two loans. So while I'm, you know, young and dumb, don't know what you're doing, right? <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it's not that it's terribly new, but now with the technology behind some of this stuff that's driving it, it's going to be very interesting to see. I think in a more shorter term, what's going to happen is interest rates are going to tick up and the market, I don't see a bubble bursting, but I see what's going to happen is everybody's expectations are going to have to adjust. And that happens anytime interest rates change. When I first got my real estate license, interest rates bounced between nine and seven eighths of a percent and 10%. And at 10%, nobody wanted to buy. They were going to wait for rates to come back down. When rates came down to nine and seven eighths, you could sell homes. So when that happens, the buyers that are buying a $500,000 home now may have to adjust down to four. They don't want the home at 400,000 because their coworkers, their best friends, they just bought a $500,000 home. Well, I ought to be able to buy that $500,000. I want the same thing they got. And it takes a while for the sellers to adjust and come down with their expectations as well. So I think that's gonna be probably the most near term thing that we're going to see within that probably two to three year horizon. I don't know if interest rates, I don't believe they're gonna stay where they are for much beyond another year and a half to two. That's me personally. But interest rates for home loans are benchmarked off the bond market. And so as long as the stock market's doing well, bond market normally is an inverse relationship. Normally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we, we've had some kind of unique times here recently, let's put it that way. So Absolutely. Did that so, answer your question or did I go off on a tangent somewhere, Jeff? I want to make sure and I check in. Did I answer that? Great check-in. So the question initially was- Five to 10 years. Your five, 10-year projections, the real yep. estate industry. And yeah, I think it checked the the boxes. And I agree with you, by the way, that the underperforming agents will be the ones that are pushed out, which yep. is that much more reason to double down on investing in yourself, learning, you know, yep. taking mentorship, offering more value, because then you separate yourself into that kind of untouchable area of high value agents that have raving fans that will never uh, be outsourced by technology. So I, mm -hmm. I agree. And to, you know, we can talk about that for three days. But uh, <laughs> what's been your most profitable lead generation source over your career? You know, the funny thing was for me, I always thought it was expired listings because I came through a hot market like this, but we didn't have the situation where, where we have it quite like we have today. So I always thought that that was what it was. It turned out it, turned out it was actually for sale by owners. Interesting. So every year I'm going through and reviewing my numbers and thinking, man, I really, because expired. I really did a good job. And I'm looking going, well, crap, I actually took more for sale by owner listings than anything else. So that was for me, what really turned out to be the most profitable. Awesome. Oh, one other thing. I think overall, it was actually working with a very few select investors um, because these people, guys and gals are repeat customers and clients. I can help them buy the property. They fixed that sucker up. A lot of them were, were flipping them. I could help them sell the property. Uh, and if they were doing investments and when I'm finding off market deals and maybe it's something that, you know, my plate's full, I can't buy it. I've got a few other things going on. I would take it to them. 
Um, and a lot of times I'm bringing them things that are off market. So now I'm getting a little larger commission. You know, maybe I'm not doing just three, maybe I'm going to get four. Right, right. So make, make them feel good. And, you know, I'm the only person involved. So, yeah, that's a great point of having an investor network to lean on. And they are repeat customers. I'm actually a commercial agent. And so that's what I focus on is build my investor network, find off market deals. One, two, one, two. Like that's well, find me some. <laughs> I'm a to. value add. So I'm happy to. Um, with that being said, you know, you mentioned having a library, having a big library. You know, the Jim Rohn said the poor have big TVs, the rich have big libraries. So what are one to three books that you've read which massively impacted your life or career? Shoot. I always hate that question because there's been so darn many. There really has been an awful lot of ones of good All ones right, out so there. Real estate specific then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to think. How can I get this down to just real estate specific? Um, I don't know if you can find this particular book, but one of my mentors uh, was a guy named Mike Ferry, which most anybody nowadays, if you've been in the real estate business, you've heard of Mike. Uh, right. He has a, actually a very good book out on that. And I, the name of it just went right out of my head. There's another one. Give me just a second. I think it's right behind me here. And where did it go? Where's the other one? Shoot. Yes. The other one was Tom Hopkins. Okay. Um, on selling. And I think it was just called selling, right? Yeah. Selling. Very creative title. And the other one is um, The Seven Levels of Communication by a guy named Michael, and I don't know how to pronounce that gentleman's name. It's M-A-H-E-R. Mayor, I'm assuming. I don't want to say it wrong and screw it up. But I think it's written like a, a little parable. So it's kind of a fun book to read, but it's a, it's a very good one. I'm big on communication and learning communication skills. So that one really hit home for me. So I those would be three. Um, yeah. That would be good. And look, if you're doing the investing, the, the one that's been around for a good little while now, but bear in mind, my frame of reference goes back a good number of years, back to the early 80s, <laughs> I guess late 70s, early 80s. So I'm not going to bring up some of those, but the Robert Kiyosagi, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a very good one to at least get your head to start thinking about it. And oh, one other book that's not real estate specific, but it really ties in well with what you and I are talking about and being on the same page of is having a more of a professional approach to real estate sales. And if you're going to be in business and want to treat it as a business, obviously you're going to want to also be aware of tax implications and tax saving strategies, right? Yes. So that's one reason I'm a generational investor. I hate to give money up to the capital gains tax. I just think the government didn't do anything to help me with that asset, why would I? But anyway, that's another subject. But I'm assuming this lady still writes these books every so often, but you can still find some of the older ones. And the context and the information is still valid. It's a lady named Diane Kennedy, and she wrote a book called um, Legal Tax Loopholes of the Rich. Great <laughs> book because it will start getting your mind to think about different ways that you can use your business and deductions that you have that you probably aren't using today. And one, since this is for real estate agents, there was a couple, or excuse me, uh, um, uh, an individual that sold real estate, but it was primarily large ranches. I mean, huge, huge amounts of acreage. And what they would do typically to show the acreage is to load horses in the back of a horse trailer, drive out to the ranch with the, the customer, the client, potential buyer, get the horses out, everybody get on the horse, and they 
show the property from by horseback. And so they wanted to write off a portion of the horse, you know, the, the feed, the vet bills, the, the trailer right. for the horses and things. And the agent, the IRS agent that audited them said, you can't do that. That's a horse. You can't ride a horse. They said, but we use it in our business. It was a valid business expense. They went to tax court and won. <laughs> so it gets your mind by reading the book. It's probably the only book about taxes that will actually hold your attention. Right. So, Great anyway. title too. I like it, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you know this, but titles sell books, not not. Oh, the they contents. do. They do. <laughs> so when you have a million things in your plate and you have it all planned out, but you feel like you're falling behind on tasks and you know, a phone call comes in and then, uh, you know, escrow falls through or whatever's happening. All of a sudden you feel overwhelmed or unfocused. What questions do you ask yourself to get back on track? How much alcohol do I have at home? No, just kidding with you. <laughs> just kidding. That was the comic relief part. You know, that that's actually a very good question. Um, and so far, you're the only person that's ever asked that of me. When that happens for me, I have learned over the years that the best way for me to kind of get back on track. Now, I am a grinder, so I kind of tend to plow through. Right. But that happened to me last week. My daughter wound up with four visits to the ER in four days, found out it was her oh gallbladder. Gosh. And yeah, trust me, there's a story behind that, but I'm not going to take up your, your viewers and the time with that one. But I did get behind, obviously, as a result of that. Things just kind of came in and it surprised me, right? So- it took me off track and I had to actually just set things aside. I organized everything. So when I came in the next day, I had my to-dos, I had my phone calls, I had my emails, you know, the stacks of things I had to tend to and just said, I'm going to go home and just take off early. I'll go for a walk around the, the neighborhood and just kind of not think about it. And I think it's not for me so much a question that I have to ask. It's having the clarity to realize you just need to step away and clear the head because sometimes we do get overwhelmed and it's pretty stinking easy to do sometimes. And I'm sorry, by the way, for the ding. I thought I turned my phone off. I don't know why. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Is your daughter okay? Yeah. 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 I, oh, I appreciate that. The, um, she wound up having the uh, gallbladder taken out and um, the nausea went away, the vomiting. And I'm hopeful she'll be going back to work Monday that the lower back pain and the upper back pain she's had since middle school will also go away. So it may have been that the, her gallbladder has been failing for, for years and years now. Right. We didn't know. I guess well, actually for about a decade. So yeah. Glad to hear that, that she's okay. Yeah. Um, me too. <laughs> being a coach who talks to a lot of agents, there's probably a bit of an unlearning process that you have to go through with your, uh, your mentees. You got to kind of like unlearn some bad recommendations or behaviors that they've been given in the past mm -hmm. and then, you know, get empty the cup and then fill it back up. Right. Back to that analogy. So what are some bad recommendations that you hear given to real estate professionals? Some bad recommendations. You mean bad habits that they already have habits, recommendations, tips, anything, you know, that they either were already doing or they brought to you as an idea. Oh, I heard this here. You know, is there anything oh. like that? <laughs> well, the biggest challenge is a complete and total lack of a schedule. Okay. That's kind of the recurring theme that, that I mean, I can't tell you the, the first person I've spoken with that actually has a schedule. Most people have what they think is a schedule, but it's actually a to-do list. This 
is not a schedule. This is a to-do <laughs> he's, list. He's pointing to a notebook with a bunch of single words, like linearly listed with that's X's right. and checks next to it. It's, it's yeah. just a, a written to-do list. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because I have items each day. I put a to-do list together, but that's not a yeah. schedule. A schedule has a schedule. start and a stop time. And that's the biggest challenge. They think that they have a schedule. So because they don't, Again, they wake up when they want to wake up. They go to bed whenever they want to wake. Uh, go to bed. They're always late to listing appointments, which is disrespectful to their potential client. One of the things that I would do is when I'm driving down the road, if I'm going to be a few moments late, and I mean, I might be on their street, maybe at the other end of the block, but it's three minutes before that appointment. I call them on the phone and just say, look, Jeffrey, if you don't mind, I just wanted to call you and let you know I am running a few moments late. And they go, but no, it's it's not time for us to meet yet. Well, I know, I know, but I'm at one end of the block and I'm not in your driveway. And I know your time is very important and I'm a moment or two late. Would it still be okay to keep our schedule or would you rather reschedule? And people always chuckle and they're thinking to themselves like, what just happened? Yeah, like, yeah come, come over. Come on. Instant sure. rapport though. It is. But it also instantly elevates me in their mindset because every other real estate agent out there, they'll show up five minutes late, no big deal. Hey, how you doing? Great to see you. You know, almost a used car. You know, they got the shirt unbuttoned Big down smile. the hair and the right there. You go <laughs> the chains. But anyway, so yeah, that, that makes that's that's truly the biggest the schedule. The yeah, schedule. Yeah, of the you ones know, that I hear. I learned scheduling in a few different areas of my life, and it finally hit home in this most recent mastermind that I was in. And there were these guys in their early 30s making a million dollars a month, digital hmm. marketing. And I was like, all right, I got something to learn here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had the authority. They had my attention. And then they retaught me something I learned 10 years prior. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to hear it this time. So, yeah. you know, ever since then, I, that was a couple of years ago now, I, I've been doing a weekly schedule where it's, I like the process a lot. I start out with a, verbal mental vomit onto paper of everything that needs to be done that next week that's already on, in my mind yep and then of okay i am a real estate sales professional i am a business owner i am a you know i'm a vp of marketing i'm a consultant i'm i'm a uncle i'm a you know fiance i'm a son and i'm i have all these roles in my life where i want to be the best version of myself in those roles and that will then spark other ideas. Oh, I should do this. I should do this to enhance the health of my relationship. I should do this to, you know, be a good uncle. I should do this to to have a strategic partnership move forward that I'm in the middle of with my business, right? So it triggers other things. Once again, this is all just still a to-do list. Right. And the key is that I then look at my days. The maximum that I'll do is six things in a day, usually three meetings, three important tasks, but sometimes it's different. And then I'll start to transfer that to-do list to each day of the week. This is still all on written paper. And then the final step, I put it into my electronic calendar with reminders and start and stop points. That is the transformation of a to-do list to a schedule. And it is that simple. Yeah. I really had to have someone walk me through it, hear it three times, right? right? It's just like, I had to go through this process where finally I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And hey, lo right. and behold. <laughs> right. all of a sudden productivity goes through the roof my energy and emotional balance is way better income is improved like everything just boom so Shazam. i totally resonate with that you know you just said what i've been telling them to do for the longest time 
you use the term verbally vomit all over and you have yeah. to do that. You have to get, I say that, but sometimes for effect, you need to give yourself a mental enema. You've got <laughs> so much crap in your head about this is how this business is supposed to work. Right. I want you to step back for a moment and I'm not saying I'm the best thing since sliced bread, but have you sold a hundred homes in a year and have you done it consistently? Okay. Well, no. Well then quit fighting. Just do this. What I'm, what I'm telling you, get all of that crap that's in your head on a piece of paper and then you can prioritize it because we all think that we can do and we're capable of so much more than what we really truly can do. And there's a great book that the funny thing is Dan Sullivan is listed as the author, but he's not actually, he didn't write any of it. <laughs> the the co-author, Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Yeah. Benjamin Hardy is the guy that actually wrote it and it's called who not how. Mm. And the idea behind it is you can't do everything. So in order to grow, you're going to need like assistance, right? What can you delegate and give to them? So there could be a huge amount of stuff on that to-do list. Give it to them. Let them do it. One of my mentors said something a long time ago, and I, I don't want to get really far off the subject, but it just triggered in my head. So indulge me if you would for just a half a second. He said, you know, every, every business, even nonprofits and governments, there's really only two activities that take place. There's only two. There's income generating and there's income servicing. And he said, which one pays more, right? Mm -hmm. So as the real estate agent, we should be spending the overwhelming majority of our time on that income generating. And if that's not really what you enjoy doing, if you'd rather be the person shuffling the papers and making the phone calls to the loan officers, the home inspectors, the attorneys, title, escrow agents, and all the others, then maybe you shouldn't have your real estate license and try and sell. Maybe you should be an assistant for someone. But I mean, he's spot on accurate. There's really only those two activities that any enterprise can be involved in, income generating and income servicing. So that's right. And it kind of goes back to, uh, I think it was Peter Drucker's statement of like, you know, firms only do marketing and innovation and like marketing and innovation, really what that means is like, you know, generating income. And then the other part of it, the rest of the jobs in, in the entire company service generating that income. <laughs> so right. yeah, you nailed it. Hey, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to elaborate on from earlier? <laughs> so what should I have asked you that I haven't asked you so far? No. You know, Jeff, that's, do you prefer Jeff or Jeffrey? I should have asked. I'm sorry. Jeff, right? That's okay. Typically Jeff. Good. See, for me, I don't care what somebody calls me. As long as they don't call me late for dinner, I'm okay. You know, that it's a good question, Jeff. You've actually asked some very good questions. Um, Thank you. And you did ask, you know, if people wanted some additional information. I can't say that there was anything that you hadn't asked. Not that I can think of. I've actually enjoyed our conversation because I've been interviewed by a few other people for various and sundry things, uh, but you've actually asked some very good questions and gone okay. down some, some fairly interesting paths, if you will. So it's obvious you've got a pretty good insight and handle on real estate as well, which is good because I don't get a chance to speak to too many people that I'm not going to say that I've done it for a lengthy period of time and have that frame of reference or I've done it for a very short period of time and have a limited frame of reference. It's just that I guess because of the position you found yourself in, you know, speaking with a lot of other top producing real estate agents, you've had the opportunity to really, I guess, maybe get mentored by them would be a good way to think of it. And that's kind of the way I think of it for me. I've had, let's see, in the course of, since I, I got my first coach or mentor, not like reading from a book, 
I think in the, the following 10 years, I had probably 14 different mentors and coaches. Each one I was looking to get a little something different from. And I still have multiple today. And we touched on some of that earlier. So I don't think you, you asked uh, an awful lot of great questions. And uh, I've enjoyed the conversation considerably. So well, I appreciate it, Jesse. Thank you. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad as a 17-year-old, had an investment property willed to me that I helped manage and still own today and nice. real estate pretty early. So as well, your point was right on the on the money. My choice, you know, it, it wasn't really by happenstance. I specifically chose real estate as my niche because I had been exposed to it early and I knew that I had value to offer to a lot of top brokers out there who were amazing at their interpersonal communication and had gotten to the point where they're selling 100, 200, 300 homes a year, but now they needed help with all the digital stuff. Yep. I, I knew that I could then offer them value. And in exchange, I would not only be mentored from them and develop relationships, but I would be able to have a symbiotic relationship with them mm -hmm. and not be able to not only have to just like pay for mentorship or join their brokerage to learn, but I could actually learn from dozens of top right. brokers all over and take the best practices of all of them. So I found myself in a really unique position, but it definitely was by design. And uh, I'm very grateful and blessed to be where I am today. Actually, that's the one thing that people hear me say a lot. And it's very true. And I think one of my earlier mentors may have said it maybe the same way, or maybe it was just close and I changed it in my head. I don't know. I've been saying it for so long now. But you know, you really have two choices. You can live life by default or by design. Mm. And the choice is yours. And I choose to try and live as much as I can by design. We all get those curveballs thrown in sometimes at us, but uh, it's how we respond to that. And if we have enough of those systems in place, you know, that we can fall back on, then we can bounce back quicker. So, right. But, um, you know, no, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation as well. You know, thank you so much, Jesse. How can listeners contact you? Well, probably the best thing is either going online to my website uh, and they're welcome to, to, I would really highly encourage them to, to subscribe to the free weekly e-magazine. I don't overwhelm people. I hate getting an email a day, sometimes two or three. We're all busy, uh, but right. it, it is a good email. I think it's tips, tools, techniques, tactics, things that they can use in their business. I throw in a few objection handlers, some convincers that they can just simply read and repeat some great quotes. Uh, no recipes or, or crossword puzzles though, but it, it's an online. If they go to richagentcoaching.com, top right, you'll see tips, tools, and tactics. Just click that, enter their name and email address. If they have questions, by all means, reach out. Email is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at richagentcoaching.com. Be glad to answer any viewer questions that anybody may have. Um, and it would be Amazing. me responding, by the way, not like staff. So I do read all the emails. So Very generous of you. Thank you, Jesse. Jesse Lynn and everyone from Rich Agent Coaching. Really appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, I think our listeners are going to love this episode. So thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.